cancer patients are often faced with circumstances related to their disease that aren't openly discussed. In Tabuti, the Fight CRC podcast, we delve into those topics that are sometimes considered controversial, trending, or just plain interesting. To suggest a podcast topic, email answers at fightcrc.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tabuti podcast. Today, we're continuing our ambassador story sharing series with JJ Singleton, one of our newer ambassadors for this year. We're really excited to have you here, JJ. You're going to tell us a little bit about your story. We're also going to connect to some side effect management and nutrition. So we got a lot to go over this episode. Again, super excited to have you. But it's not my job to introduce you. It's yours. JJ, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? I'm JJ Singleton. I'm a 33-year-old male from Canton, North Carolina, near Asheville, since it's a very small town. Let's see. Um, me as a person, I grew up in a very small town. Sports are a huge part of my life. Played sports growing up. Football. Played college football for a few years. Went to college, got a degree in history and political science, and pretty much my life revolves around or revolved around sports, TV shows, movies. While many people don't associate an athlete, I'm a huge nerd too. Love my Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Marvel. So I'm a very complex individual with my likes and dislikes. But I was doing good, getting healthy. And then in 2015, I got diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 27. They did a genetic test and I tested positive for Lynch syndrome. Went in, had the surgery, 80% of my colon removed, went through the 12 rounds of chemo, thought it was better. Six weeks later, the cancer came back and spread throughout my body to my lymph nodes and into my abdominal wall. And that's when they told me that my cancer was predetermined, like not able to be cured pretty much. They couldn't remove it because it's not a solid tumor and a solid organ. So that's when they were like, you're pretty much incurable and on chemo for life as long as it's working for you. So went through a bunch of different types of chemos that failed until I got put on a clinical trial, which luckily was my last option and it worked. And I've been on there. Let's see, next week will be my 104th round of cancer treatment. And pretty much just over the last few years, or really the last 18 months, I finally had a good enough place in my life to start sharing my story and realizing that my experience is through everything, through the surgeries, my battles with mental health, depression, anxiety, and just living a life with cancer through so many treatments and still trying to be an active person in the world can help other people. So that's how I got associated with, with this amazing program to be an ambassador, as well as reaching out to others and accepting that people can actually learn stuff from me. Before this, I, I never thought anybody would ever want to listen to me or what I was going through. But it's gave me a purpose in my life now, and I'm doing so much better like mentally. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself. Yeah, and thanks for being willing to share your story and everything. It sounds like even from the very beginning, you know, you were an early age onset patient, clearly. So, you know, with when you were 27, you said you were getting healthy. You were obviously had been doing sports and everything like that. 
when did you know that something was wrong? Yeah, well, it's a complex story for me because I played college football and I got hurt back in like 2007. And after that, I was just done being active because I'd lived in the weight room pretty much my whole life and that. So I got very out of shape, enjoyed college life even after I graduated, drank too much, ate bad food and all that. So I, the start of 2015, I was up to 315 pounds in, in a horrible shape. So that year, I'd started a new job for my family. And my uncle was like, you need to get healthy. So during your lunch hour, you can go work out. So I joined a CrossFit gym with my old football coach as a coach. Got addicted to that. Like I started working out. And by that summer, I was doing two days because I was training for a CrossFit competition. But that Memorial Day is the first time I felt a throbbing in my abdomen. And I thought I pulled a muscle because, you know, I was like 27. There, there's nothing wrong with me. And that through that whole summer, like the throbbing would come and go and get worse. And then looking back on it, there was a lot of signs like me not eating as much, not having a normal bathroom habits, blood in my stool that I just I ignored. I was like, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with me. This is just me changing my diet, me working out so much. And then I did the CrossFit competition on August 1st. And after that, like my body just crashed and I still ignored it for the next few weeks. And I was losing about eight to 10 pounds a week without doing nothing. I was so dehydrated. I was getting like a fever every night. And then finally my mom was like, you we're taking you to the doctor tomorrow because you're, you're turning gray. Like my skin was having a grayish color and stuff. And by that time, like if I pulled my shirt, you could actually see the throbbing in my stomach from where the tumor was. Doctor took one look at it and was like, go get a CAT scan. They did there and I knew it was bad when my doctor was like, you need to go get your parents and come back to my office right now. So that's when they said I got cancer. After the Labor Day holiday, I had the colonoscopy and in a week, it was my colon was about 95% blocked. So they were like, a week later, I was in surgery. Wow. And so it's like I ignored the symptoms because they just weren't connected to me because I was in that mentality like, now I'm finally getting healthy. I was feeling good before the pain started. I was getting back to like my, you know, athletic body. I was, I was, down, to, I was, like, I was down to 240 pounds like normal before I started losing a crazy weight. So August 1st, I weighed 240. When I left the hospital October 1st, I was down to 175. Wow. So it's like it like it just crashed after that. And then after they told me I had cancer or they're like, you got a huge mass in your colon and most likely it's cancer. All the dots connected like instantly in my head. I was like, that's why I've been going to bed at seven o'clock at night and not having any energy. That's why I can't use the bathroom, the blood, the stool, just everything just connected. So I was like, I knew it was cancer like 100 percent before they took a biopsy and confirmed it. Was something that yeah, you, it's hard to, especially when you're. Sounds like you were on a really motivated track. Everything was, yeah. was going one way. You wouldn't expect your body to be going a different way when you were. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it was a shock. It was just like I. It it didn't really sink in for a long time that that's what was going on. 
And then you entered into, you know, a lot of different treatments, surgeries and everything like that. You know, what was, what was that process like for you going through it? Uh, like that was the only other surgery I'd ever had in my life was I had my ear tubes put in when I was little. So like a two hour hospital surgery. And then I broke my finger and had a pin put in it during a basketball season. So I'd never spent the night in the hospital never had a major surgery where they like cut me open and had like stitches or anything. So I I didn't know what to expect really. And I got wheeled in there and then I found out real quick, my body does not like hospitals and I'm a complicated patient because they did the surgery and it was a lot more extensive than he first thought because the tumor was so big that they removed 80% of my colon. And luckily like, he said if it was a few centimeters either way, I'd have had a colostomy bag for the rest of my life. But he was able to reattach it, my, you know, colon and my intestines and stuff, even though I, it left me with a foot of a colon left. So I, I deal with those issues every day. But and then a few days later, my stomach and my body was like filling up with stomach acid because it just wasn't leaving my body. My intestines wasn't waking up. So I had to go back to another surgery and just found out really quick that anything that could go wrong in the hospital was probably going to go wrong for me. And I, I hated it. Like it, that's the first bout of like depression and like severe anxiety I'd ever experienced. Cause I was one of the people like growing up, nothing ever worried me. Like I never got anxious over like big tests or anything coming up. I was just kind of the go with it and everything's going to happen and I can deal with it. And that like pretty much about two days into my first hospital stay, I was like, yep, this is totally different than anything I could ever experience. And then, you know, going on when the cancer came back, that's when I really experienced, it'd be like one chemo round or chemo treatment, four rounds of it, I'd go get a scan. And it's almost like I knew it wasn't working because what my body was feeling like. And then, had more surgeries, you know, went the 450 days where I wasn't able to eat and had major surgeries with the bat. And it's just, was it 450? Yeah. When the cancer came back, like, I'm, it's really weird. You're probably hearing the lawnmower. They're, they're mowing our yards today. It's that time of the year, but the cancer, it came back in my abdominal wall and then it was growing uncontrollably and it wrapped around like with scar tissue around the end of my stomach and just like constricted the stomach into my uh, intestines where nothing could get through there. Like, and I would, I, I went a few weeks before the pain just got too bad. And I went to the hospital, but I would eat. And then that would take me a day or two and I would throw up what I ate a few days ago because it wasn't digesting. It was just sitting in there. So, I was in the hospital like 25 days that time because that's when like everything was crashing. Like they they didn't think I'd ever leave the hospital at one point just because they couldn't get my pain under control. They couldn't figure out what was going on inside. Had pretty much every type of tube and scan you could ever dream of. And finally they settled on, they put a GJ tube in there to where everything in my intestines and my stomach would empty into bags. And then I got fed through TPN infusions every night for 450 days until I started the clinical trial and it shrank the cancer enough to where they were able to go in there. And he just called it an exploratory surgery to fix issues. 
because I think it, the surgical report's about 35 pages long with what he did in there to fix the stuff to allow me to eat again. Wow. Yeah, so I that, really like as a result of that clinical trial was able to get in and wow, yes. that's, that's a lot. And, that is and I'm still, a complicated I'm, patient, you're right about that. <laughs> like I'm a weird person with that clinical trial because most people it either cures them or it don't work or they're on it for two years and then, but I'm like a very fraction of it where it didn't cure me, but it's kept it from growing. Like it shrank it to a certain point and it's just kept it from spreading. So that's why I've been on it for almost five years now. Like I'm one of the longest people on it that my doctor knows of. So, but we're, we're happy it's still working. Yeah, happy it's still working. Definitely, definitely. So you, you had mentioned while you were, where you're talking about those different things, you know, with the resection, how it's something yeah. you deal with every day. Like what, what are those side effects of your treatment and your surgery look like in your everyday life today? Well, like with this, that small a colon, like, you know, I didn't know before all of this, your colon is where your body absorbs all most of like 80% of the liquid to hydrate you. And, you know, the shorter the colon, the more you use the bathroom. So the, I go to the bathroom anywhere from five to seven times on a good day and 12 to 15 plus on a bad day where my intestines just are like, yep, we're not happy with you today. So that with the hydration, like I'm constantly battling and on the line of, you know, drinking too much to where my stomach hurts, but I have to have enough to hydrate. So that changes like my outlook. Like I can't leave the house without like a bottle of water or some drink to hydrate me. Cause if I go too long without it, I'm going to, you know, start feeling the effects of being dehydrated. And then like anytime I travel longer than 30 minutes in the car, I got to prepare because I never know like when that urge hits to use the bathroom. If I'm not going to the bathroom in a few minutes, I'm going to have to clean up my car. Cause that's just, that was a trial and error run right there when I first started. Cause they told me about it and I was like, I, it, it can't be that bad, that quick. And I learned out that they were, they understated it. Joe, that's a, that's a great story for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, not a lot of people like to hear those. And I'm just like, ah, that's, that's my life right now. You know, you got to trial and error and you learn how to adjust and you make your days work. Like people don't understand, like, you know, before I do something, I'm like the day before, if I know I'm going to be traveling, I'm pretty much not going to eat. I'm going to drink like meal replacement shakes that whole day to get my nutrients and vitamins just to make sure I don't have to stop every 30 minutes to use the bathroom. Sure. And so that's that's some great tips right there of having the, the nutrient shakes and things like that. What else do you do? What else do you have around your house and your car when you travel that helps you to, you know, manage what you know your, your situation may be. Yeah, like I said, always hydration. And then I always have a change of clothes in my car just because, you know, I never know. Always have like the, uh, well, now that we started that, I got introduced to the dude wipes. Always have those to help like clean up if I have an accident or anything like that is the main thing. Like the clothes and so I learned that the hard way too, but <laughs> there and then just too with the using the bathroom so much like i can't i i don't eat big meals like i used to you know used to three meals a day big meals because my stomach and if i eat a big meal i'm i'm useless the rest of the day and mostly probably the next day too so i have little snacks that i've learned over the years that react well to my stomach 
because I know everybody is different. Everybody's stomach acts different. And mine totally changed after I went those 450 days without eating. Like my taste and how my stomach reacts to different food is still completely different than it was before that. So I've learned the foods that I can eat and I'll keep those with me just to, you know, keep some nutrients in my body. Sure. Yeah. So that's, it's good that you bring up food because we wanted to talk about that as well. So what, how is that process? Look, we've done a couple of different group events and things like that, where we talk to people and people can say sometimes that that changes year to year. Sometimes things yeah. are good to eat one year and then you can't oh, yeah. eat next year. You're constantly kind of looking at those things. What, what are you, what can you typically eat more often than not? And how is that process of nutrition worked both with your own exploration and then also how does that work like working with your doctor and your care team about what nutrition is necessary yeah. to that yeah see mine changes probably more than once a year because it's like i'll find things i like to eat and taste good and react to good to my stomach and i'll eat them for a while and then after one treatment i'll try to eat that again and it's just it don't work don't taste good it makes me throw up or anything so it's like my my main nourishment and nutrients change probably two or three times a year. Okay. But I've just found like, I don't eat a lot of meat anymore because that just, it don't taste good with my, you know, it's well known that I have a lot of issues with mouth sores and oral mucitis and stuff with my mouth. So meat pretty much tastes horrible to me and then it hurts my stomach digesting hard. So me and my doctor, we've had to work out ways to get my protein without eating meat. So we found out that like for me, oatmeal and eggs are pretty much the way I get my protein. Cause I, I've always loved eggs and I'm weird too that I can, I still like bull eggs for some reason. Like it ain't, that ain't changed my taste and people look at me crazy for that. For what kind of eggs? Boiled egg, just a hard boiled egg. Oh, okay, yeah. There we go. <laughs> a lot of people don't like them, I guess, but I was like, they taste good to me and they don't hurt my stomach. And my doctor said, you need to eat them whenever you can to make up the protein sure. efficiency from not eating meat or chicken or turkey or anything. And then I've, I've never been a huge vegetable fan. And and green vegetables right now, they're, they're horrible on my intestines to digest. And like it, so we've... I've learned the vitamins and then the the healthy like vegetable based nutrition like meal replacement shakes to get the vitamins and nutrients I need. And then I, some days I just force myself to eat the vegetables that I can tolerate. Just because he said you got to. My doctor was like, you got to try to eat some at least once once a week. I try to do that just because I need to. Mm-hmm. So I mean, my doctor is very relaxed and he we have such a good relationship over six years that he knows kind of what I like to eat and when my tastes change and him and the dietitian at my cancer center, they'll kind of give me a guideline because they know they can't give me a meal plan just because certain days I can't do things. So they give me a guideline that helps and like goals to get each day to week for the amount of, you know, vitamins and calories I need to get. So I'm lucky I have them there because if not, I would be poor. Because if not, if I didn't have them, I'd probably eat a cup of ramen noodles and a pancakes every day, and that would be it. So, I'm sure, was that your diet in college as well? Yeah, well, yeah, my diet in college was even worse than that. It was pretty much 
Sonic drive through or Waffle House late at night and noodles throughout the day. And so it, it was it was a bad diet. I'd be ashamed to tell people what I ate in a normal day now. <laughs> right. So do you have a way of, is there like a system that you use now for like tracking your like calories and protein and hydration and stuff? Like, is there something, there's some tool that helps you to do that to make sure you're on track? I used to like, when I first started this, I would have like one of those like, calorie counters on my phone and log everything I ate. But now I've, I've done this for so long. I kind of just, I know the amount I need after, I mean, I've been doing this same thing right now for going on four years now with the eating and tracking how much I need. So now I don't keep track of it anymore just because I can feel that I got enough or I didn't get enough day to day. But the cal- when I first started, like the calorie tracker on my phone, it was the only way I could make sure I was getting enough. And then I weighed myself about every two days just to see how how I'm doing and I know sometimes like if I have a bad bathroom day I'm going to lose a lot more weight that day than I normally would so I just kind of I have a goal to keep in between weight wise and then after so long my or just like as long as I'm feeling okay or as okay as I can on my baseline we're happy with the nutrients and they do some blood work around every three months just to make sure everything's in a normal level for me. Sure. And then, so it's, it's good that they also have that blood work as well as, you know, checking it. I'm sure a lot of other patients experience those same things. And so, you know, what I've heard throughout this conversation, you know, you've, you've faced a lot of different treatments, different surgery, had to adjust and pivot constantly to keep yourself healthy and to keep yourself in a good space. And, you know, you, you mentioned that there was a lot of stress and anxiety, of course, around all of that, but you've encouraged yourself, you know, you've encouraged others in the ambassador community and everything through this. I know talking to Joe at the at the climb we did in North Carolina that you were just charging up that mountain, which is awesome. So like what what has really made what are some or some things that have made such a big difference for you from where you were to where you are now as this force? Yeah. Really, it was just like, I'd say after I got the surgery where I was able to eat and move around again, because that 14 months where I wasn't eating and I was in bed pretty much 21 hours a day getting the infusions, that was probably the lowest point I've ever been in my life where I was like, I don't really know if I even want to keep on living life if this is going to be what I have to look forward to. But then once I got that surgery and I started recovering and I met some people online that encouraged me to, you know, write stuff down or share my experiences. And then I got some feedback to people that I actually helped and people I never even talked to. They just said they had read something I posted or somebody shared. And that's what it like sparked something in me and gave me like a hope that I hadn't had since before I got diagnosed. Like I felt a purpose where even though I'm living with cancer and most likely I could never, you know, do a normal job again or have a normal life that I dreamed of before cancer. That experience I got when somebody said that they helped them through their treatments or I helped them relate to their loved one or friends going through like chemo or cancer, that just gave me a purpose to keep on like 
doing that and then expand it, which if I didn't have that in this purpose, I don't know where I would be at right now. So that's my main goal of what's kept me motivated. And I, I still have horrible days. I still have days where I don't want to get out of bed. Like I don't hide that from that either and stuff. I'm, that's one of my main goals is to share that. Even though people think of me as like so strong and inspirational, I'm like, I'm still battling every day just to be this person. And there's days where I fail and then days where somebody will message me or I'll read something that somebody wrote on one of my posts or something. And it gives that same motivation to me again to keep on going. And that's really, I think, the only thing that's kept me going forward other than my, you know, family and friends have been just, I, I, could, I wouldn't be here without them. Like, they've stayed with me through a lot longer journey than they ever thought of six years ago when I first told everybody I had cancer. Sure. Well, we're happy that they're that they're here for you. You are you are strong. You're also authentic. You know, it's it's always great talking to you. We've gotten a lot of chances to talk before this. I'm glad, so glad you joined me here for this podcast today, and we got to hear more about your story and more about some tips for our community to help them manage their own nutrition and side effects and everything like that. So, JJ, as always. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for being an ambassador. And thank you everyone out there for listening. Join us again next month for another ambassador story. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you, thank you for joining our Kabuti podcast. Remember that this information is for educational purposes only and all medical questions should be directed to your doctor.